want to keep unpacking some of that. I want to jump into chapter 3 because there's just, there is so much truth here. Though it's set in the Old Testament, there's so much of it that can actually affect us here in a New Testament covenant. So I'm going to jump into 1 Samuel chapter 3. I'm going to read from verse 1. It's a long reading. I have no idea if we're ever going to get close to finish. We might continue it next week, but we'll give it a go. Is that fair enough? So from verse 1. The boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the, Lord, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. Why do I know I'm going to struggle to get through this? Because I've got to stop here. I've got to stop here already. God, give us wisdom. In those days, the word of the Lord, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. So I've got to point out a problem right from the beginning. And it's a problem that was experienced by the children of Israel. God's children, they weren't really hearing God. The word, the word of the, word of the Lord was rare. They weren't really hearing God. The sad part is that you and I, we can actually have that same problem today. You and I can have that same problem today. Wouldn't you agree, I guess, hopefully you'll agree with me, that currently we've got a culture that's pretty deaf to the voice and the things of God, yeah? I, I actually think it's evident. Just turn on the news, you can work that one out. So straight off the bat, we need to declare that often the major problem is that people can't hear God. So one, the problem, people can't hear God. And when we're not working with God, that's not a good place to be, firstly. But when we're not hearing from him, when we're not hearing him direct us, and I guess for me that's part of my, you can't be a Christian and be offended, because if you can't hear God say, hey, come on, come on, son, come on, daughter, deal with that, that's a sad place to be when you can't hear his voice. Yeah. The word of the law was rare. Now, does it mean that God was withholding speech from the people? Yeah, does, it, does it mean that maybe they'd lost the means to actually even hear him? Does it mean maybe that the people just didn't want to listen because the words were hard and they didn't want to hear? I actually don't... I, if you're going in A, B and C, I don't think it's option A. No multiple choice, it's not going to work with option A. Does this mean that God's withholding speech? No, I don't think he is. Because throughout scripture, the Bible actually shows us that God speaks. Doesn't it say in Romans 1 verse 20, For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. Oh, that's a tough scripture in itself to say, I only have to look outside, I'm going to say, at a, at a well-kept garden, well-kept nature, or something that's in bloom. <laughs> that we're without excuse. That even just looking what's going on around us and the way that things have been created, there's enough evidence there of God's invisible qualities, his, his eternal power, his divine nature that we're without excuse. So he's been speaking from the very, very, very beginning. You ever spoken to someone who comes to faith for the first time? I mean, I've only had it a, a couple of times, not 
not people who have come to faith, but people who have said, you've spoken to them and they go, I knew, I knew, because you know, I go camping, I do this, I do that, and I always knew, I always had this thing on the inside, I felt like God had something to do with creation. You know? Like they've had this epiphany moment all of a sudden. You know, I, I was just, I was at the zoo, I was looking at all the animals and now they've come to faith. You know, and I'm, as I'm looking at them, I thought, you know, God had to be involved with that. That just couldn't have happened from a big bang, you know? The thing is, as we look into this culture, and it's not all of it, it's not all of the culture, but, but many in the culture are rebelling against God at the moment. And they're chasing after stuff that will never, ever satisfy their souls. It just won't. And that's why you've got this continual chase for more, better cars, more money, better jobs. It's, it, it gnaws at people. You know, like a white ant at your timber. You know, just gnaws and gnaws and gnaws. It wants more and more and more. You know, there, there will always be someone who doesn't trust us. Just in life. If you're chasing after the wrong things, if you're going after the wrong things, you're always, you know, you're always a bit dubious about this person over here. It just seems like nothing flows. You know, there's always someone that won't affirm us. You know, when we're doing something that's not according to God's ways, you and I will never be satisfied. We just, we won't be. We won't be satisfied. And that will be a forever restless, relentless pursuit to be satisfied. It really just sounds tiring, doesn't it? You know, I think, I actually believe that a lot of the world just lives like that, particularly today. You know, but God has spoken to you and I through his word and shows us, doesn't he show us the difference between what's right and what's true? And and when we align ourselves to the will of God, that's a really sweet place to be. It's just a sweet place to be. When we align ourselves with him, we know we're hearing from him. Life doesn't have to be rosy. But when we know we're hearing from him and we're aligned with him, life seems to be good regardless. You know, there's, there's this point here in the Old Covenant, the Old Testament, when it seems and it feels like God's withholding his speech. I don't believe he is, though. Because it goes on to say there were not many visions. First, the word of the law was rare, but now not many visions. And again, I, I, just, I, I want to premise with that can be the same for us, even in the New Testament, where we struggle to hear God and there's not many visions. You know, some people will say, oh, no, that can't be the case because, you know, we're New Testament believers. Jesus lives within us. We're always going to hear him. But, but, no deal, sorry. I'm going to tell you, there are times where we don't. I don't want to forgive that person. Baba, not hear from God. I want to live in that offence. Baba, no deal, not hear from God. You know what I mean? Like even we can live in a place as New Testament believers. It can be very much the same. That's why, that's why I think Father God so lovingly gives us these pictures as a warning to how we can journey with him in life better. Yeah? Hebrews 4.7 says, God again set a certain day, calling it today. And you've got to think, he's speaking to New Testament believers. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David, as in the passage already quoted, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So as New Testament believers who believe what Jesus did for us on a cross, we can still posture ourselves to allow our hearts, our hearts to be hardened. And then we wonder why we're not hearing him or we're not 
having visions of him and the way that he wants us to live. So we'll unpack it quickly, yeah? Because it is possible for us to be spiritually hard of hearing. The people in this passage in 1 Samuel, they had weak hearing. There's always been and will continually be a spiritual battle for spiritual healing that goes all the way back to Genesis. Yeah, all the way back to the garden. Because the enemy, isn't he, is a, he's a deceiver. He's here to, to rob us, to kill us, to destroy us in our faith. And the devil always drops little, you know, sneaky thoughts, doesn't he, in our thinking. You know, the ones like, did God really say that? If I, it's only a small sin. If I keep doing that, will you, you know, will, will you really die if you keep doing that stuff? You know, he, he puts these little thoughts in our heads continually because the enemy's strategy is simply this. It's really easy. He wants to separate us from God. He wants to separate us from having a relationship with him. And then when he starts to work on that, then he goes, now part B is I'm going to make sure that I separate the believers. First I'm going to separate the relationship with God and then I'm going to separate the relationship with each other. I don't like the way they think. I don't like that. I'm not going anymore. Bang, on, they're finished. Devil's won. Well, you can't say that that's the enemy. Well, you know, go find another church then. Where there's believers that you can come alongside. Yeah, where you can actually journey with people, support, supporting, loving on one another. The enemy's role is to separate you from God and to separate us from each other. That's what the enemy wants to do. So for me, because <laughs> the church seems to fall for it over and over again, we need God's word. We just need God's word. We need to know his word. Paul David Tripp is a pastor and he's an author. He wrote this in relation to social media today, but particularly about Twitter. And he wrote, Twitter is not the Twitter of 2009. I am again and again shocked at the darkness that now lives there. Much of that darkness is how people communicate with one another behind the protective cover of a remote screen and a keyboard. Right? Then he describes this thing that he calls a hair-trigger response. The devil wants people dull to God and alive to hair-trigger sinful reactions. This is when, you know, you just, you just react straight away. Someone wrote something, said something, bang, you're on it, right? Hair trigger, this, it's just off, it snaps. That's an elastic that has got no more give, and it, bing, it's gone, it's done, right? And so he says, we're seeing the normalisation of emotionally driven responses, of anger-driven responses, disrespectful, self-righteous, vengeful, vengeful responses, and the love of controversy, Hurt people, hurt people. So if someone hurts me, I'm going to hurt them back. I'll come back even harder. I'll destroy you before you hurt me again. We live in a culture of reactivity where turn the other cheek is kind of mocked or ignored with little forgiveness. And then he says this. The vulgarians are at the gate. It's not just the vulgar sexual terms and the blasphemous use of the Lord's name that have become regular it's what lies beneath the words that needs examination. We've been talking about living like Christ, being prayerful, not carrying an offence, loving on one another. Really, some of this for me just, just sits beautifully together with that. 
Why do people glory in the put-down? You know, and I'm not talking about friends having a banter, but why do people glory in the put-down, the mocking or the verbal cruelty? We have a problem and it's deeper than vocabulary. There's so much noise around us, so much noise in and around our hearts and our minds that things have become normal because maybe we can't hear God as clearly as we should. Yeah? You say, if the, Lord of, if the word of the Lord was rare in their lives, the word of the Lord can be rare in our lives too because of the noise. And often, if that's the case, if that's the case, it's got to do with what's around us and what noise is around us, what noise is among us. You know, they, they say that some people, if you can operate at a heightened level, yeah? And so someone operating at a level of, say, we're, we're, I don't know, a scale of 1 to 10, if someone's operating at a heightened level, heightened level of sensitivity, at even just 7 or 8 out of 10, like 0, 1 and 2, you're cool. But up the top end, things aren't, aren't all that kosher, yeah? So, but if you're operating at the heightened level, the heightened alert of a 7 or 8 out of 10, let alone a 9, what can so easily happen when a situation arises is that you and I, we can't even hear ourselves think clearly because we're so sensitive to what's happening. That's all we see. It's all that we hear. How are we going to hear the voice of God in amongst all of that? And the whole thing then moves us into this head-trigger reaction. You know, I suggest our country is probably operating at a 7 or 8. <laughs> Some days it can feel like a 9 out of 10. But, but can you see that we really need the word of the Lord? We need Jesus. We need the word and we need the word that lives in our hearts. We need to know it and hear it, yeah? And so it's very important for us to, to, to know the word. It's, all, it's almost like our whole nation, in fact, almost the globe, maybe, maybe the globe is suffering from PTSD. You know, it's like that. People are just, everyone's living with this heightened alert all around us. It's so very important that as Christians, you and I, that we shine like stars. We're supposed to, yeah? We're supposed to be the salt of the earth. We're supposed to be the light on the hill. It's very important for you and I to be filled with Holy Spirit. Yeah? A sensationist will never survive here, would they? They're people who don't believe in Holy Spirit. Yeah? So important for us to be filled with Holy Spirit. Minds focused on the Lord. Focusing on his word every day. Every single day. I need the word of the Lord. I need to hear from him. I, I don't need the word of the Lord to be rare. I don't want it to be unusual for my life. I, I don't want to be like Noah. And God remembered Noah 100 years later. Hello? Like, hello, 100 years later. I would have given up building that ark after 10 years if I hadn't heard from the Lord. I want it to be alive and now. That's, that, that's where I want to position my heart right now, to desire and to hear the word of the Lord daily, not just when it's rare. You know, I guess what I've just described is a world that we're living in and reminded ourselves that all of us, I think, need Jesus. 
But, you know, we're in a similar scenario because of the busyness of the world that, in one sense, where Israel found themselves, except we're just in the new covenant, yeah, where we're supposed to hear from God. Verse 2. <laughs> one night, like everyone's going, verse 2, there's 21 verses. Verse 2. One night, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see, was lying down in his usual place. So I've got again to stop here. The leaders, Christian, nation leaders, them, them, those people, they had no vision. No vision. One night, his eyes were becoming so weak. I'm glad that we have a vision here at this church. And I'm glad that our, for me, our vision is clear to be a safe place for all people, yeah, to be restored and revealed for his glory. In fact, vision card. If you don't have one at home, just as you walk in the front door, get one. There's even a smaller version for those of you that have got 2020 vision, right? The big ones for us oldies, right? Put it on your fridge. Because you know why? If someone goes, why do you go to Family Life Church? Well, I love their heart. I love their vision. Really? What's their vision? Well, it's to be a safe place for all people so that they can come in their brokenness, however they are, however they smell, however they look, and they can be restored for his gl- and revealed for his glory. That means, who can I pick on that won't get offended? I'm looking at two people at the front. I'll go to Tom just in case. I don't think you'll get offended, Chris, right? But no, you're too trendy. I don't want to go over there. <laughs> Right? I might come along Chris and I might not like the way that he smells because of his choice of aftershave or the way that he dresses because I've got an Italian in me. I like a bit more flamboyance. Yeah? But I should still be able to come alongside him in church because it's a safe place for all people even if we're different. Yeah? Even if I've got a smaller, uh, bigger nose than Chris. Right? But in this place, if I'm broken and hurt, I can be restored... God, right? I can be restored but then revealed for his glory and because now he's in a safe place and there's no judgment from here the same happens and really all of us should be able to sit next to each and every one of us and none of us oh, I'm going to go back to that place where people admit, where not everyone understood, none of us should be offended because really we're a safe place for all people so that they can just come and discover Jesus, fall in love with him, worship him. Yeah, and in that place, be revealed for his glory. Because when we come together, we don't come here for what we get. We come so we can minister unto the Lord. And as we minister unto the Lord, that makes us better ministers for each other. Because all the enemy wants to do is separate this so that he can separate this. So if I can't come to a place where I feel safe, how do I build my relationship on my own? Sometimes I need those that are next to me that will rub shoulders with me. Someone like Chris that would say, let's go for a, I'll say, let's go for a coffee. And for those of you that are non-alcohol drinking people, I apologise in advance. The Bible says, don't be a drunkard. He may say, you know what? Let's ditch the coffee. Let's have a beer. A beer, you say? Where would you want? What time? Now I'm out. See you, boy. We got, and we can spend some time together. My choice of drink may be coffee. His may be beer. It could even be vice versa. I don't think the two go together, though I have seen a coffee-flavoured beer. It's got nothing to do with the message, right? But the point is that we should be able to do life together, yeah? The leaders then had no vision. 
Know the vision of the church. Know why it is what it is. And know it in your heart so you can share it. So when you're speaking to someone and they go, I've been to church before. It didn't work for me. Some people, they were rude. They weren't nice. I feel like they were looking at me funny. Just say, oh, you know what? It's not like that at Family Life Church. Because that's a safe place for all people so that they can be restored and then revealed for the glory of God. So if anyone says, but I've been to that church and I felt like they were, well, you know what? Invite them back. Help them speak to me so we can weed out what the issue is. Right? Like, if there's weeds in the garden, and we talked about last week, that even in the house of God there's contrast. So what do you do when there's weeds in your garden? You pull them out. I'm not talking about people, yeah, but when there's, when there's something, something in the culture, in the DNA, that's not quite right, sometimes we just, we've got to get in there and we've got to pull it out. Or we've got to expose it a little bit so that we can poison it and it can die off. That's all it is, really. Safe place for all people. Here, they had no vision. Well, Eli's eyes are becoming weaker and I actually, I really don't think it's a stretch and I don't think it's taking out of context to suggest a picture here that I think the writer is trying to give us that the weakening of his eyes seems to be a picture of a weakening leadership of the priesthood then. It really was, if you read the whole story. Now, we know that there's a young man on his way, Samuel, and Samuel's going to be this awesome prophet, but we see Eli's eyes are weakening. And then the next thing, just from that verse alone, Eli's lying down. Like he's lying down. Instead of standing up and serving, which was his role, he's lying down. Yeah? I love this. I don't know if anyone saw the last picture of Queen Elizabeth before her passing. She was already sick with cancer. She was already dying. And yet, in her last picture, they showed her standing. She had her stick, but she showed, showed her there standing and leaning on her stick. She wasn't pictured laying down. She wasn't pictured dying. She was pictured standing, even with the help of her stick. You know why? Because that's what sometimes leaders have to do. That's what... You and I, as believers in the Lord, sometimes have to do. Yes, there are times that we rest in him. I'm not talking about that. But Eli's role was to minister and he was just laying down. He was dozing off. May we be Christians that will forever, even holding on to a stick, would stand yeah, to worship him, to give him glory, to minister to him not dozing off, not laying down in times of crisis like Eli. You know, there's a picture that the whole worship then was polluted. It was not quite right. It's NQR. I'm really doing no justice to NQR the last couple of weeks because, I, because of the name. You know, I, I think they changed the NQR not quite right to stand for something else. But it doesn't... What, what's it, it the real one now? Not... Yeah, and whatever they changed it to didn't work. When it came out in its inception, it was not quite right. I'm doing him no justice because you get some great deals from there. But it's a good illustration. Anyway, sin was in the camp, and that was actually Eli's sons. 
And now the father of the sons is actually dozing. He's, it's almost like he's lazy. He's laying down. He's not alert to the things of God. And I just think you and I, we've got to be alert to the things of God. We've got to be able to hear him. We need to be able to see the visions he wants to give us for everything that he has in store for us. We've got to be alert to those things. You know, I wonder if Eli was coasting, just taking it easy. If he was just holding on to his position, you know, I'm nearly dead, and you know, I'll just stay here because it gives me a place to live. I'm getting paid, you know. Like I, I don't know. It was like he was quiet, quitting, you know, opposite of loud, quiet. Because spiritually, I guess from a spiritual perspective, if we're going to quietly quit, it, it, it could look like just sitting on the sidelines, bagging out and criticising everyone else that's actually quitting. You know, that could be what quiet quitting look like. You look like you're still in the role. You look like you're still a Christian, but you're bagging everyone else that's dropping the bundles. I, I figure that's what Eli was doing. But do you, you know the other thing that comes out of those passages? It's almost a, a third point, if you will, of not being able to hear God, is that the spiritual things were, were, were low. They were at a low ebb. It says in verse 3, the lamp of God had not yet gone out. And Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord, where the ark was. The spiritual things were at a low ebb, but they weren't dead. The, I, I love this, because the lamp had not yet gone out. His sons were wicked. <laughs> He's losing sight, losing his ability to lead. He has no vision, really. right? And yet... For whatever reason, maybe because God is the same yesterday, today and forever, he's still a God that's full of grace. He wasn't ready to give up even on his sinful, wicked leaders. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, which means that God's presence in that contrast was still there. And I love that. That means you can walk into any church, even ones that you do not like and that they just feel, eh, I guarantee you God's not given up yet. Yeah, God's not given up yet. You know, the ark of God was still there, but it, it all seems just a little bit frail from that passage of Scripture. Yet you and I, I think we can agree that God, there's nothing frail about God. There's nothing frail about him at all. But sometimes our ability to listen and join him and obey him <laughs> may not be where it should be. Maybe that's what's frail that we've got to listen and obey. Because as long as we've got the presence of the Lord, there's hope, amen? There's hope. You know, my question to any Christian is, do you have the presence of the Lord? Like, do you have, do you experience the presence of the Lord? He's alive. The Bible says he's alive. We know that he's not hanging on the cross. We know that he went to a tomb and he rose again. We know that he sent the comforter to come and live in our hearts. So do we have the presence of God? Because I believe, yes, absolutely we can. And I believe we can experience that. Because he's alive, not dead. You know, the Ark of the Covenant, the Old Testament, that was the context of his presence. That was the context of their worship as well. And, and the Ark of the Covenant, on top of it, it, it had a golden lid. 
Yeah, uh, this beautiful golden lid, almost like a thick tablet of pure gold, and that was called the mercy seat. Yeah, the mercy seat. That was where God said uh, to Moses, "This is where on this mercy seat is where I'm going to communicate with you, right here in this place." It was also the place of you know, and where they did the sacrifice of atonement, where the sins of the nation were forgiven. I want to say this: We live in the New Testament. For you and I. Just for a theological lesson, <laughs> Jesus, Jesus is our sacrifice of atonement. Jesus is the one that now has, because of his sacrifice, has forgiven a nation, full stop. So unlike the Israelites, unlike the children of Israel, we don't have to rely on a, a physical ark for his presence. We don't have to do that, praise God. That was the old covenant where the Ark of the Covenant was eaten a bit and a whole lot more. Yeah? Now it's a good movie. Yeah, some of you will think, movie? What movie? Raiders. Anyway, keep moving on. <sighs> so hard with some people, isn't it? I'm really, maybe I've got to find some uh, newer movie references. <laughs> the Ark symbolised the actual presence of God. And of course, God's always been in heaven, but that's where God said that this is my location, this is where I'm going to come, this is where my presence will be, this is where you'll find me. But now for you and I, praise God, the location, the presence of God. Do you want to know where it is? Do you want to go and you want to go on a journey? You want to find the presence of God? It's really easy. It's in our hearts via Holy Spirit. I can't find him. Just check if you've got a heart. <laughs> Hopefully you've got a heart. That's where he is. It's living inside you. You know, the problem for me in this passage of Scripture is really clear. There was a difficulty connecting with God, and it wasn't God's fault. It was entirely on the people. That's, that's the problem. The problem was there. Yet the lamp of God has not yet gone out, and God is going to speak. God hasn't given up on his people. So they can't hear God, <laughs> but the solution is the fact that God speaks. They can't hear, but he speaks. We've got a problem and a solution, and the two don't seem to be marrying. Really, quite interesting. So I'm going to read it, passage of Scripture, and then we're going to be out of time. And then we're going to pick up next week, I hope. But let me just read from verse 4. Then the Lord called Samuel. Samuel answered, Here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, Here I am, you call me. But Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. So he went and lay down. Again the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. My son, Eli said, I did not call you. Go back and lie down. Now Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. A third time the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and went to Eli and said, Here I am, you called me. Then, this is how dimming his eyesight was. It took the third time for him to realise then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy, so Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in, this pl in his place. The Lord came and stood there, calling as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, speak, for your servant is listening. And the Lord said to Samuel, see, I'm about, I'm about to do something in Israel that will make the ears of everyone who hears about it tingle. This wasn't a good tingle. This was not a nice tingle. 
This was really a frightening tingle. This is not a Spider-Man in Marvel Universe Spidey tingle. This is like God is about to speak, and not only will they tingle, they're going to be, they're going to be, what? They're going to be scared. Yeah. At the time, I'll carry out against Eli everything I spoke against his family. Wow, comforting word that he's receiving, right? From beginning to end. For I told him that I would judge his family forever because of the sin he knew about. His sons blasphemed God and he failed to restrain them. Therefore, I swore to the house of Eli, the guilt of Eli's house will never be atoned for by sacrifice or offering. Never. Samuel lay down until morning and then opened the doors of the house of the Lord. He was afraid to tell Eli the vision, but Eli called him and said, Samuel, my son. Samuel answered, Here I am. What was it he said to you? Eli said, Do not hide it from me. May God deal with you, be it ever so severely, if you hide from me anything he told you. So Samuel told him everything, hiding nothing from him. Then Eli said, You've got to think, that he just got what he heard. And Eli said, he is the Lord. Let him do what is good in his eyes. He is the Lord. Maybe I should forgive that person. He is the Lord. Maybe I should let go of that offence. He is the Lord. Maybe I need to apologise. Because the word was good, even if it's tough. Yeah. The Lord was with Samuel as he grew up and he let none of Samuel's words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Bathsheba recognised that Samuel was attested as a prophet of the Lord. The Lord continued to appear at Shiloh and there he revealed himself to Samuel through his word. You know, I'm still stuck on point two. Problem, we can't hear God. The solution, God speaks. Yet we just see here in verse four, six and eight that the Lord called Samuel. Do you remember what Samuel's name means? Samuel's name means God has heard. God has heard. So isn't it interesting that God calls out, he sort of calls out, hey, God has heard. Hey, God has heard. I mean, that's Samuel's name. That was the meaning of his name. Hey, God has heard. You know, some of us may have actually been given spiritual names and there may come a time that you and I are going to have to action those spiritual names, just as a point, yeah? But Samuel's asked a question and the question really is, can you hear me? God has heard. Can you hear me? God has heard. Until Samuel learned to say, speak, Lord, I'm listening. So this is how I want to finish up today. Is that where we are today? Is that where you and I, is this where we are today? Because it was a tough word. Do we, do we really want to hear from God? I know that New Testament God is uplifting, strengthening, comforting, yeah? He's all of those things. But sometimes to strengthen us, he needs to highlight things that have to be pruned and cut in us, yeah? So that we can be more like Jesus with ever-increasing glory. Do you and I, do we really, do we really, do we really want to hear what he has to say? Do we really want to hear it? Because that tough word that Samuel got was he then had to share it with someone and praise God we're in the new covenant because we don't have a woe is me God. If God shows you, gives you a word of knowledge for someone about what they're struggling with, it's not to expose it, it's to pray into it. It's to come alongside someone and help them walk through it. Yeah, Different, different mindset. 
having said that, praise God that we live in the New Testament and the New Covenant. But truth sometimes is tough. To share the gospel is tough. There's a God that wants to know you. I don't care about God. He can take your love and stick it where the sun don't shine. You and I have a reality, yeah, that, and this is not God's punishment, consequence of choice. I've got a way, of you, a way for you to live. If you choose me, you have eternity in heaven. You get to know me, and uh, even when your days are tough, you can live the abundant life. If you don't choose me, if you don't choose my son, hey, that's okay, it's your choice. Unfortunately, though, the consequences of those that don't have Jesus is an eternity without me. Some call it hell. Some call it Sheol. Some call it, say, there's a devil down there. Whatever it is, I'm not there. There's your choice. That's a tough message to bring to people. But that's why there's missionaries all over the world that risk their lives, and sometimes they probably could do it diplomatically better, right? But they risk their lives to bring a truth to save a soul, yeah, at the risk of losing a physical life. Sometimes the truth is hard. But are we at a place in our lives where we can ask the Lord this, Lord, what are you, say what are you saying your servant is listening? Why don't we stand? Please. And Andrew, do you mind just playing the keys? Just something. Not that tingle, but a, something that will tingle our ears sweetly. So just for a moment as we, as we close, really. I'm going to ask you to close your eyes because sometimes we've just got to speak to our heart and it's so easy to be distracted about the lovely hairdo of the person in front of you, the wind blowing in the trees, the cute child that reminds you of your own parenting, you know. Sometimes we just need to close our eyes to speak to our hearts. Are we willing to do whatever God asks us to do in obedience to him when he speaks? Are you willing? Am I willing? If his word is plain and our life, we're living our life over here and his word is plain over here, over this side, and he says, hey, there are parts of your life that aren't in place with my word. Are you and I, are we willing to say, Lord, I am sorry. I'm under conviction. Help me to get that right in my life. Where are you at today? Where am I at today? God is holy. And when we talk to God, He often warns us against sin. He warns us against the things in our life that will separate us from Him. But can we hear Him? So often we can close the Bible because we know that the minute it starts to speak to us, it convicts us about something in our life. Eli got a word from the Lord and even though it was tough, he said the word is good. Even though he's, he knew his sons were blasphemous, even though he knew that he didn't pull them into to right living, he still said to Samuel, just give me the word from the Lord. Are you and I, are we willing to say, Lord, speak to me? So maturity 
is not just about reading the word and spending time with the Lord. Maturity is being able to say, speak, Lord, your servant is listening. Yeah. So, Father, this day, Lord, it's just simply a challenge. It's a challenge for us all. Lord, we want to be more like your son, Jesus. So, God, we pray that this day, that as we read, as words jump off the page, as we spend time with one another and, and, and someone shares just godly wisdom and godly counsel, Lord God, as we worship and we hear your voice, God, may we have the maturity and, and the right of heart to be able to say, Lord, speak, your servant is listening. And Lord God, like Eli, even if your word is difficult, even if it's tough, Lord, may we be able to say the word is good. And may, may we be obedient to your word that you may lead us down a path, Lord, to shape us into the image of your son. God, we thank you that we can hear you. We thank you that we have vision. Father, we thank you that we live in the new covenant. But Lord God, this day, help our ears to be more sensitive. Lord, keep our hearts open to all that you have in store for us. Lord, that truly as people meet us, they've met your son. That as we speak, they've heard your son. That as we act in different situations, they would have witnessed God's love alive and well in his children. So we thank you, God, for this day. And we thank you for your word. We thank you for your challenge. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We give you all the glory. And we just say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening in Jesus' name.